This is the unemployment rate during the COVID-19 pandemic. And this is Amazon's CEO. Jeff Bezos' net worth during that same time spins. While almost everyone seems to be suffering from the pandemic, how did those people who are towards the top of the wealth distribution enlarge their commercial empire at such stunning speed? Between the outbreak of the coronavirus pandemic in March 2020 and the end of the year, two of the richest people in the world both saw their net worth skyrocket. Jeff Bezos, founder of the Amazon, became $72 billion richer between 18 March and December 31, 2020. The wealth of Elon Musk, who founded the electric car company Tesla, grew by $129 billion over the same period. Unbelievably, the two richest people, now own more wealth than the bottom 40% of Americans combined. India has added 40 new billionaires in 2020. The list ranks Mukesh Ambani as the country's wealthiest with a net worth of $83 billion. He registered a 24% growth in his wealth. Earlier Oxfam India said it would take an unskilled worker 10,000 years to make what Ambani made in an hour during the pandemic and three years to make what Ambani made in a second. Why pandemic favored the wealthy? The world's billionaires did extremely well during the coronavirus pandemic, surpassing the previous wealth peak of $8.9 trillion reached at the end of 2017, and growing their already huge fortunes to a record high of $10.2 trillion. Besides, the number of billionaires has also multiplied at an astounding rate over the past year. Record 493 people joined Forbes World's Billionaires list this year, meaning the world on average gained a new billionaire every 17 hours, since Forbes last took a snapshot of billionaire wealth on March 18, 2020. The previous record for most new billionaires in a year was 290 in 2015. Joseph Stadler, head of UBS's global family office department that deals directly with the world's richest people, said, Billionaires not only ride the storm to the downside, but also gained up on the upside, as stock markets rebounded. Stadler said the super-rich were able to benefit from the crisis because they had the stomach to buy more company shares when equity markets around the world were crashing. Global stock markets have since rebounding making up much of the loss. More to it, the trickle has not been insured as only 4% of taxes come from such wealth. Rather, in countries like Brazil and UK, when tax paid on incomes and tax paid on consumption, value-added tax or VAT, is both considered, the richest 10% are actually paying a lower rate of tax than the poorest 10%. The rich will only get richer, irrespective of the poor getting richer or not. The same has been established since the financial crisis of 2008. Meanwhile, during the same time, this pandemic seems to be a different story on the other side. COVID-19 is exacerbating the gap. Within the United States, there has been large variations in COVID-19 incidents and mortality between the upper and lowest socioeconomic groups. For example, the death rate from COVID-19 in African Americans is double the rate for Asian Americans, 45 and 80 deaths per 100,000, and in Arizona, the gap between American natives and Asians is fivefold. Financially, those on higher incomes have suffered less than low-skilled, low-income workers and the young, who have been hit especially hard. The pandemic had ushered in the worst job crisis in more than 90 years, with hundreds of millions of people now underemployed or out of work. According to the World Bank, 501 million more people will be living on less than $5.50 a day in 2030 if governments allow inequality to increase by just 2 percentage points annually, and the total number of people living in poverty will be higher than it was before the virus hit. It's not even the worst. The terrible truth is, not only is the pandemic's economic impact likely to linger. Global inequality is worsening, with no obvious remedy in sight. But if, hopefully the governors choose to act to reduce inequality, 
we might still have a chance to return to pre-crisis levels of poverty within a few years, and 860 million fewer people will be living in poverty by 2030 than if it were left to increase. You might be wondering, what was it like before the pandemic? In the US, the gap between the rich and poor was at its narrowest on record just before the COVID-19 pandemic hit the country. Average disposable incomes have grown by around 3 PC a year over the course of the past 30 years, according to research by the Economic and Social Research Institute, ESRI. In 2019 inequalities in disposable income were 16% lower than it was in 1987. This is the narrowest on recording. It also shows that although the financial crash disproportionately affected lower-income households for a decade, the disposable income growth was stronger for lower-income workers (3.6 PC) than higher-income workers (2.7 PC) over the course of the past 30 years. Let us set our sights on the UK. Before the pandemic, the richest 1% of people in the UK held around 17% of total wealth. Advani et al. 2020. In the early days of the crisis inequality may have actually diminished, with stock market losses predominantly affecting the rich. To see this, it's helpful to understand what types of assets comprise wealth, and how the value of those assets has changed. Broadly, household wealth is made up of five asset classes, housing, pension, finance, business, and physical items such as household contents, cars and collectibles. For the majority of the population, if they have any substantial wealth, it is usually held in the form of housing and pensions. While among those very richest households, financial wealth and business wealth make up a much larger share of the total. Looking at these differences alongside changes in asset prices, we can infer what has happened to wealth inequality. For example, if the value of housing and pensions has increased while financial and business asset values have decreased, inequality is likely to have shrunk. But changes in wealth depend both on shifts in the value of existing wealth and additional savings. So as these savings accumulate for those who have been able to put money aside, the gap between wealthier and less wealthy households is likely to have begun to grow again, particularly as many households have experienced falls in their income since before the crisis, making saving even more difficult, or impossible. While the wealthy will be back at least to similar levels of wealth as before the crisis, in contrast, households that did not have much wealth to begin with are unlikely to have grown wealthier. Indeed, debts are rising among many households at the bottom end as they grapple with diminished earnings. Not all measures of wealth inequality are as sensitive to changes at the bottom, but regardless, it seems likely that wealth inequality is similar or worse now than it was before the crisis. Where is our future? Over the past 40 years there has been a massive transfer of wealth from the middle class and working families to the very wealthiest people in America. In 1978, the top 0.1% owned about 7% of the nation's wealth. In 2019, the latest year of data available, they will own nearly 20%. What is the future for income inequality? On the face of it, the outlook is not encouraging. Some of the most important drivers of inequality look increasingly to be embedded in our economies and societies. The world faces great problems, but collectively we are not helpless in the face of forces outside our control. Ultimately, the question for our societies is this, how much inequality are we prepared to accept? This goes to the heart of our attitudes to wealth and poverty, to inclusion and exclusion, to social mobility and immobility. Economics will no doubt play a part in how our societies formulate a response. But, fundamentally, these questions are political. Not in the sense of party politics, but in the sense of how our societies work collectively to make decisions that affect the lives of everybody, be they rich or poor. Dash. Hope the content of this article will be helpful to your investment. 
If you have more questions about what to do or to financial investment, please comment in the comments section. If you want to find out more about the investment, please collect our website and we will constantly update the relevant information to make sure you don't miss it. Good luck with your investment.